The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Ball DFS Today podcast. Today is Thursday, September 12th. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined, as usual, by my partner in crime here, one of the more respected NBA DFS players in the industry, Mr. Mike Apatria. Mike, how are you today? I'm fantastic, Coach. I'm fantastic. We're on episode three now. Uh, you know, we, we went through our top 10 uh, moves in the offseason. Now we're starting to get into the nitty gritty of what we're really going to do to help our listeners actually win some money. Um, we're going to talk some strategy. We're going to talk some teams. We're going to talk some players. It's We have a night in store for us. It's going to be a fun one. It is definitely going to be fun. And, and it's it's awesome to have some shows prior to the season like this to get prepared, get that edge. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Dan Bespris a little bit on NBA Today earlier uh, today, and uh, we said our, our goal is to get all of our listeners a nice little bankroll to play with early on so you got a little cushion. So that that's the goal. Well, I built my cushion actually last week on Fantasy Draft. Uh, shout out to them. I mean, if you haven't been taking advantage of their uh, rake-free contests over there, uh, you're making a mistake. It's plain and simple. I mean, if you're new to DFS, the rake is one of the most important things I factor into, you know, what contests I'm entering. It's just, you know, when you're dealing with some of these contests that have these massive rakes, it's, it's just giving money away. And the rake free means more more paid out spots, bigger prize pools. And I, I mean, I did one. I just did a little twenty dollar. I put it in their uh, their Hooters Millie, uh, Millie Maker over there. I, you know, I participated. I uh, put a twenty dollars entry and it turned into one eighty for me last week. So I'm just trying to. I'm getting a little bit of my uh, a little bit of football action, building my bankroll for basketball, so I could turn it into some real bucks. But it's always fun when you get to see a little profit. Fantastic! And our, our show is presented by Fantasy Draft, so an absolute great lead in for them. But yes, we want to thank them for their sponsorship. Uh, you know, they are the the only DFS site that is rake free. Uh, and we, there's a the promotion, which is terrific for our HoopBall listeners. If you go to fantasydraft.com and put in the promo code HoopBall, all one word now, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. We removed the dash because it uh, was messing things up last week. So we want to keep it as simple as possible. So if you put in the promo HoopBall, you get one free week of, of – uh, uh, Rake-free action, seven days, $1,000 worth of uh, tournaments can be entered, uh, and then you go from there. And then they also uh, they had so much success this past Sunday, so this Sunday they're going to run uh, another Hooters uh, $1 million football contest. So it looks like you're going to be making a little bit more money there, Michael. Uh, ooh, I got a little bit of bankroll to play with, so I'll, I'll, probably, uh, I'll probably shoot in two or three entries this weekend. You know, we'll touch on it. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's free money, if it's profitable money. You still got to manage that bankroll. We'll get there eventually, but uh, I'm not going to go and blast $180 worth of uh, worth of lineups now that I just won 180. So I'm still going to have to manage my bankroll a little bit, but I'll I'll definitely put in a few extra. I mean, I love football. I'm a big football guy too, Coach. Uh, you, you know, you might know that about me already, but 
Uh, basketball is my wheelhouse, so I, I really focus on that, that NBA season, and that's when I really, really gauge into this. So football, I'm just trying to keep myself busy on these Sundays. Well, that's good, man. Enjoy it. I, I am a, a monster fish in football, so I don't even try to pretend like uh, I, I belong in, in that. Uh, I did try to swim in that water a little bit on Sunday, and again, you know, I, I was a guppy at the bottom of the uh, the ocean there. But uh, I'm I'm just getting ready to make all my cash in the NBA, brother. That's that's my game plan. So. But for the rest of everybody else, I know, you know, NFL's huge. Jump on Fantasy Draft and, and show them support. Uh, we really appreciate them allowing us to bring all this free content uh, to our listeners. So awesome. So the, the game plan today is, uh, you know, we want to talk a little overall strategy of uh, DFS because we what we found is through uh, a lot of uh, questions that have come in through Twitter and through uh, the hoop-ball.com forums is we have some new players to DFS that are just trying to figure out exactly how they want to position things for the upcoming uh, NBA season. We have some players that have, have dabbled in it, had some success, but not consistent success. And then we've also gotten some responses for from some, so you know if you would want to call them sharks, sort of like you, Apatria, uh, out there that uh, that are looking for a couple of edges that that uh, other people aren't bringing out there and and again you know our differentiator as we've said from the beginning is looking at all of the different angles and discussing the game within the game from all the different strategy standpoints so uh, let's let's start by uh, talking about really the two different directions in DFS that you can go and the good part about this is uh, I uh, specialize really on one side of, of that, and Michael does on the other. So you'll get two real uh, fresh, real uh, comparisons to how you can play DFS. Now, in the DFS basketball world, my game is uh, the cash games. Uh, when you're playing head-to-head or multiples where you know, you're looking to put in one winning lineup uh, or single entry, which is the same thing where everybody can only put in uh, one entry. Because uh, I'm looking to uh, strategize and build out uh, one lineup that's going to win, bring me home the money. So I'm playing a little higher stakes, head-to-heads, and those that are going to uh, uh, profit me in that direction. So we'll, I'll get into that briefly here uh, in a second, but... Michael, why don't you tell them a little bit more of your side of it with the GPP play? I know you've had some great success there. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big GPP guy. I mean, you know, I, I do play a little cash game here and there. I, I will play single entry tournaments. I'm not limited myself to just GPPs. But, yeah, no, I mean, let's be real. When I first started doing this about four years ago, uh, I wanted a shot at, you know, 50K, 100K. I wanted to go for one of those big wins just like everybody else. And you learn, you learn a few things along the way. And uh, we're, we're going to touch on a few of those things. But, I, I mean, I, I think uh, I don't want to say I mastered my craft. I'm by far uh, not an expert when it comes to winning every single night. It's part of GPPs. You're going to have some losing nights. You're going to have some winning nights. But uh, I've remained profitable. I've done, I've done pretty well in doing this. And I just want to give everybody the knowledge and save you guys the time of uh, about the year and a half of painstaking dollars lost I've made 
uh, and you know really make you guys profitable. And you know it's it's like you said, there's there's multiple games, and you have to approach them with a different strategy. There's no way you can take uh, you know a cash game fifty fifty lineup and you know plug that into twenty different gpps it's just not profitable doing that so we're gonna we're gonna touch on all all grounds uh the cash game the 50 50s uh the single game uh, single entry games and uh your massive gpps as well but there's a lot to talk about and you know i think cash game is probably the best way to start this because at the end of the day that's how you build your bankroll right coach Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's to me, I, I, you know, it's, it's definitely tempting and I do dabble with the GPPs. Everybody wants to, you know, get the big hit or the big win. And, uh, you know, at at times when I built a a decent bankroll, I will, you know, dabble in that. But, you know, if you're really going to build yourself uh, a a bankroll that's uh, sustainable to me, you know, you, you use all the different strategies uh, at hand, which we could talk about a few of those there to really build one specific lineup. Or, you know, if, if you're torn on one or two players, you can have two or three lineups where you're just uh, taking one guy out for another at a similar price. Or sometimes I'll have a, a little bit more uh, costly guy and a cheaper guy and flip flop too. Uh, but that's generally the most that that I'll do. And, and the reason I do that is, you know, I, all the research, watching the games, first of all, that's, you know, I would recommend the first thing to do is, is to get the ticket and, and check out as many games as you can because there's nothing, you know, a, a trained basketball eye and watching the game, seeing the flow, just seeing, you know, all of those bits and pieces of coaches' interactions, um, you know, just the the way teams are playing together, the rhythm, the rotation of players. You know, you can make a lot of determinations that way that uh, prior to even starting to, to build that lineup. So, you know, the, the process of putting that, that daily fantasy lineup together, and I think that's what a lot of the hoop ballers that have the year-long seasons, it's 100% completely different strategy you're looking at that game yesterday doesn't matter tomorrow doesn't matter it's that 48 minute game and what lineup you're going to build that that evening is going to give you the the winning lineup so get the ticket watch all those little edges so you can have uh some eyes on some some guys that you want to target in fact today we're gonna uh as we're going through these strategies we're going to talk each put in two teams that were targeting early, if you will, and two teams that were fading early. And, and we'll give you some reasons behind that. And, and that's just in a generic way because, again, you're looking at that specific game, that specific matchup. But what I do when I start building my teams, again, keeping all of that knowledge in mind, which, yes, you can get on there, listen to some of the touts, you know, pay for some of the sites to get their picks, you got to remember when you're dealing with all of that stuff, a big part of the pool of people that are playing are looking at the same information. And that's going to affect uh, a big thing that's even uh, probably bigger on the GPP side, but also a big play in cash games, which is is uh, is ownership. You know, that's a big part of it uh, that can should sway your decision, especially if you're close 
between a few players. I mean, do you want to pivot to somebody that's 20% owned in a, in a late game as opposed to somebody that's 60% owned? You know, that that pivot can give you that, that one advantageous piece that's going to help you win that game. So you want to have all the knowledge coming in so you have some predisposed things in your mind of teams that are hot, all of those uh, different aspects that only you're going to get to know by really digging in and, and focusing. And preparation is a huge part of this. Then you want to crunch some stats, you know, pull all the numbers. There's all kinds of information out there that's just incredible. Just NBA.com alone, you know, you can pull every single category that you want to start diving into, not just pace of play and, and all of those pieces, but there, there's, uh, you know, defense against particular positions. Teams struggle defending centers, and they have all of those rank 1 to 30, all of the percentages in there. So as the season develops and you get a little bit more of a sample size, you can really start utilizing those. What we're discussing in these next few shows are we're trying to jumpstart that and look into those and get you those winners uh, and ideas of, of uh, players and teams to target so that you can beat everybody to the punch on that. Plus, uh, what you'll see on a lot of the, the pricing of the players on the sites is going to be based on that as well. If you have two you know, high-paced teams playing each other, you know, they're going to they're going to be uh, puffed up in pricing, whereas it may just, you know, not be the real thing. You got to dig down a couple of, of, of more levels there to, to look at it. So you want to do your research, pull your numbers, have your predisposed thoughts of, of the games. And then you want to look at, you know, obviously there's a, there's some fantastic sites out out there right now that are uh, showing uh, back-to-backs, travel time. Um, it, it, it's just some really cool stuff. Uh, I'll give you one right now. It's, call, it's called PositiveResidual.com, and it's, it, it takes every single team in the league. Uh, free plug for those guys. We you have to contact them because they're <laughs> awesome. And if you go on there, it shows every game. It shows every road team and all the travel, how many rest days, when their back-to-back games are. Just a, a really nice tool that you also can factor in because that makes a big difference in the NBA, as we know, especially with the load management piece coming in. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to you and GPPs. One, one more point I want to make, though, on, on this. Uh, so you have the, you know, the, the preparations you do. You, Get to the websites you feel comfortable with pulling your stats. Sure, pull a little information from some of the tats out there, and, and but don't weigh, overweigh that. And then start building your lineup based on where those factors fit in to what the pricing of the players are. And that's, you know, in the NBA, it's it's a lot different than football, baseball, where you're building a lot more guys out. You, you know, you have one or two guys that smash the slate you build into your lineup, you're going to be golden, especially the way I play, where I don't have to beat 25,000 other people. I'm trying to beat one guy head-to-head or a, a small group where 50-50 where I'm trying to double up my money and build my bankroll. 
Absolutely. And I mean, you hit on it before. Ownership percentage is probably one of the biggest factors that separates these two things where in a cash game, you know, I'm not worried about necessarily playing a guy that's going to be 60, 70 percent owned because odds are if he's 60 to 70 percent owned, he's going to be in a very good spot. Um, He's in line to either smash. He's got a good matchup, great pace of play. Maybe somebody's hurt and he's filling in for them, whatever the case may be. And I, like you said, you're not trying to be that you know top five finish. You just want to finish in the in a 50-50 in the top half of the pool. So you're not going to finish in the top half of the pool if you're missing out on a guy who's four or five thousand dollars and scores thirty five points. You know you you know in a GPP you might take another avenue and try to find a guy that is you know similarly priced at a much lower ownership who has a similar upside. But there's variance involved with it. You know, maybe the guy that was 70% owned has a 48% chance of scoring at least 35 DraftKings points or uh, FanDuel points, whatever site you're playing on. Uh, and the guy I'm choosing in my GPP might have a, a 15% chance to do so. But that's why he's so much lower owned. And, uh, you know, that's, I, like, I, that's my number one reason. I still like to play those cash games because that's how I monitor my bankroll. That's how I keep my bankroll steady to afford mm-hmm. myself to play in these GPPs that I always enter. And... Uh, the biggest thing I like to stress is if you, if you don't have that bankroll, if you are entering these 150 lineup or contest entry lineups, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage because there's going to be nerds out there uh, like me, like other guys, like other sharks who are rolling out you know 20 lineups, maxing out the 20 entry max or maxing out the 100 entry max. And you know when you're making a 20 or 100 lineups, I'll take. The, the craziest shots on guys because I know I got 18 other lineups or 19 other lineups out there that I could depend on. When you're only making one, it becomes a lot a lot harder to take one of those chances when you could just easily double your money. And the fact of the matter is, you're not always guaranteed to win a lot of money in a GPP. You know, you can go in there and take these shots, and then you finish in you know 2,000th place, 2000th place, and you're winning eight bucks when you when you bet four. That's the same thing as a, as a 50-50 coach. If that's exactly. the case, just play a 50-50. Play a heads up. Play right. you know, a single entry. That's So knowing these contests and how to structure your lineup uh, going into them is going to be absolutely key if you want to be profitable in uh, DFS. And I cannot stress it enough. And, and you know, that that's a good spot for me to, to say two things to, to those that are a little newer to the game and maybe just a reminder to those that are just uh, the, the – uh, you know, mild player, but look at, first of all, the rules for each site as far as scoring, because every site is extremely different of the, of the main sites out there. So there, there's all kinds of different double-double uh, bonuses. And, there, you know, so you really want to understand the lineup you're building that fits the, the, the stats that, that are going to be there. Because if you're making a lineup on Fantasy Draft, uh, where there's a, a whole different positionality, you got a lot more uh, leniency on what positions you're picking, as opposed to something more stringent, maybe on a DraftKings, where you have to go eat in each position. You need to look at, you know, you, you're not going to want to plug the same lineup into both sites. So you you've got to look at each each site as far as how the roster's built, how the scoring's done. That's very key, and then that's going to help you ultimately uh, build uh, and, and make sure you have the correct scoring in there. And then you also want to look at how the the tournament that you're in pays off. Now, for me, you know, you know, in, in the cash games and in, in those 
uh, you know, 50-50s, it's very simple. You know, you know you're, you, what you're doing. But when you're playing in any of the tournaments, even the single entry, which I play a lot of those, look at how they're weighted. There's some tournaments that I just think are ridiculous where the top person gets $10,000. If you finish seventh, you get $100. I mean, it's, it's like there literally are tournaments out there that just the payoff is so high-weighted. It, it's really, you know, ridiculous. And to finish seventh out of 3,000 people and, you know, just get two, two times your money or three times your money is, is a waste of time. So look at how those payoffs are. There are, you know, some sites that are doing a, a much better job with spreading that a little bit more so that, you know, at least you're not, it's not just the top 7% of the pool that's getting paid. And in that group, a little bit more is being spread. So I think you have to be aware of those things. Don't just go in there blind, you know, target what your spot is, what your pay level is that you want to play, what type of, uh, you know, tournaments or cash games you want to get involved in and find out all those rules. Because again, if, if you just, you know, play your favorite players or everybody knows this, or if you just listen to the tout that everybody's, you know, giving you 7% of all the best point guards of, you know, 20 out of the teams in the league. I mean, all of that stuff isn't going to get you anywhere. You've got to come up with your own set of strategies. They're going to lead to into how you play, what sites you play on, what, what money levels you play on. And all of that comes into play uh, to managing your bankroll. Because if you don't, it's just you're haphazardly throwing it out there and ultimately, you know, you're going to eventually lose. And, you know, you also want to keep an eye on the rakes. We talk about that all the time with that big advantage with fantasy draft. And it is a big advantage. You will have some of the other sites like Yahoo and some different ones that will run low, uh, lower rake events and they'll highlight those. Uh, and, and you need to, you know, keep an eye out for those as well because, a rate can cost you a lot, especially if you're only winning a certain percentage of the time. Absolutely. That's the only reason I just want to, you know, like I said, right when we walked in, I bet 20, I won 180. I think I finished in, uh, there was 40,000 people in the contest. I think I finished 283rd. Uh, and, I, and I was able to, you know, what, times my money by nine. So that's only because it was a rake-free. If that was a non-rake-free contest, I probably would have won like you know sixty bucks. Which hey, it wins a win. Don't get me wrong, but that's it's it's a big advantage when you're playing these rake-free games. Uh, when you see those pop up, take advantage of them. Jump over on Fantasy Draft as soon as you could. Sign up. Promo code Hoopball. No uh, no more dash in there. And listen, if 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 you're if you're a smart, advantageous DFS player, you probably already heard about it. But if you haven't, no worries. We're here to help you. That's why we're doing this. Uh, jump on there, sign up, use our promo code, and enjoy that free week of rake-free, uh, you know, football play right now, and see yourself make a couple profits. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm by no means, like I said, a, a DFX expert when it comes to the NFL. But I, you know, if you sign up using our promo code, shoot me a message, shoot me a, you know, a little uh, a tweet, and I'd be happy to kind of, you know, give you some advice on it. I, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's not the NBA. That's my specialty. But, uh, you know, if you sign up with our promo code, I'll try to help you guys profit in whatever sport you're playing. That's our goal here. Let, let me ask you this, Mike, just, uh, you know, from a guy that doesn't play as many GPPs. Do you utilize uh, any of the Fantasy Cruncher or some of those out there 
that that pre-populate sort of that top 150 lineups for you or or anything like that or are you building your own pool of players i'm an i'm an old-fashioned kind of guy coach uh you know i, I talked about this all last season with uh with dan over there and i hand build every single lineup i make and you know it may be foolish but that's also because i know my games i'm not I'm not really maxing out 150 lineups when I play my GPPs. Uh, you know, I, I go for more of the 20 entry max, uh, 40 entry max, those kinds of ones where it's still you're still investing a decent amount of money in each night. But um, I want to be able to have a part in every single thing. I, you know, maybe it's superstition, maybe it's foolishness, but you know, I don't I don't like a computer picking for me. I I know my no. I know my and, hoops. I want to be able. And to we're pick. we're on here, dude, because it's not foolishness. I mean, we're we're giving that edge different than anything else out there. I, I believe our show is different than any other DFS show that's out there. And, and I listen to all of them. So uh, I don't think it's foolish at all. Now, if you are somebody that is mass entering 150 lineups and that's the way you want to approach it and go after it aggressively, or you have a big bank role to attack it, you know, I would recommend personally looking into some of those uh, options you know, the Fantasy Crunchers, uh, which, you know, I've, I've messed with a little bit just to sort of try it out. You know, there's a lot of, a couple of them on, uh, really that, that are really good and, and some that really help you. Uh, they take a lot of into effect of all the stuff that we're talking about strategy-wise. But again, it's the slant of whichever service you're using to develop that. Uh, Michael and I, what we're trying to do is give you your own way to go after this so that you don't have to utilize those. But for the mass entries, you know, a lot of them, uh, you know, look, look, they're worth looking into if you're really going to invest big uh, in those giant GPPs and want to take down one of the biggies. Absolutely. And uh, the number one thing I'll stress about, you know, if you are using those and the best thing about them is the, you know, the, le- the easy uh, swappage. You know, if you're building 150 lineups and somebody gets ruled out, you know, 6:55 uh, Eastern time. You're gonna panic if you have to go through 150 lineups and manually change them. Uh, that's not easy to do. It, it's a sure a sure way to lose money real fast. Is you know having 150 lineups and trying to hand manually uh, you know change those. So I wouldn't recommend it. Um, you know that's exactly why you want to get one of those lineup crunchers involved, and it also gives you an idea of exactly. You know, it's hard to keep track of how many players you're playing when you do 150 lineups. So you know, I want to know if I'm playing that many how much of a percentage I have of a guy, because then I can take a step back, uh, you know, use, use my knowledge I have and say like, well, wait a second, something, something's not right here. You know, I shouldn't have 70% of this one guy. Uh, and you've probably heard me say this again. And when you are doing these GPPs and you are mass entering them, you're never 100% a player. Don't ever play one guy in every single lineup. Don't do that to yourself because you'll be shooting yourself in the foot at the end of the night. If somebody gets hurt, uh, somebody gets in foul trouble, or if they just playing off, you know, have a bad shooting night. Uh, so I never 100, 100% a player. Um, it's my number one rule. I try not to do it when I'm doing my 20 or 40 entry max because I've lost money like that. I've, I've hit the nuts with every other guy, but then I played, you know, a center who got into foul trouble in the first quarter, and all of a sudden he finishes the game playing 22 minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that feeling. It, that, that part isn't that fun for sure. But um, – no, I'll tell you what the that those those edges are the kind of edges that that, that make a big difference. I think that uh, you know w- one thing to to always keep in mind as well is when you're looking at these different sites, 
some have late swap and some don't. Uh, that's another thing to be aware of. So when the you know when the the lineup locks at, at seven Eastern or whatever time that the first game starts, uh, some of the sites you know the, the games that start at seven they'll all lock, but you're you're able to strategically change players in later games. So that gives you advantage. Some of them don't have that, which apps actually, believe it or not, I like because I think some people, they're rushing home, they haven't prepared, they're jumping in some of these tournaments, and they start a lot of game guys in later games so that it gives them time to change their lineups and get things done where they may be missing out on some of the early players and vice versa. So I like, as someone that's prepared done my homework, gone through everything, you know, that's another advantage you can take. Fantasy draft is one that doesn't have a late swap. So sometimes, you you know, you get those guys locked in that you know uh, that or you're expecting to have big games late uh, and other people aren't willing to take that risk on until they look into it, you can get a big advantage. So one other good thing that the NBA uh, announced this year is that they have to turn in their starting lineups and also let them know guys that are out earlier than they used to, which is a big plus because there's been times where, you know, some of these teams have been notorious for, you know, last minute decisions, just trying to get a strategic edge on their opponent, but it screws up all of us in the DFS world. Selfish. And now, That's what they are, yeah, coaches. those <laughs> dirty dogs, they don't care about us. But, uh, so that's going to help. There, there's a, a early. I think it's an hour earlier than it's ever been uh, in the past where they have to turn those lineups in. So that's going to help, you know. And that's again, that's in basketball. That's so massive because it shifts all the usage numbers. And you'll hear me say usage. You know, if you if you have a bingo card, that's got to be your center square for listening to one of our shows because I'll be talking about usage and money equals minutes stuff all the time because I want, you know, the opportunities for my guys. And that's who I always have a tendency to, to push towards. But, uh, but look at that too. That's, that's another uh, big part of, of what, uh, how you can strategically do them. And a lot of them now, you know, it used to be not too many years ago, three, four years ago, where, you know, you had one card that night with eight games and that's what everybody played. Now your options are all over the place. You can play one single game. They'll break the slate into early and late. You know, so you want to strategically look at that too. You know, it, it can become overwhelming how you strategize, how you want to play and manage your bankroll that that games or that day. So you know, look at that in advance and see what best suits you. Uh, you know, certainly never let something sway you. I love to steer away from like the TNT games because everybody you can add 10% on on ownership across the board because everybody's going to be watching those games and they want to watch who they're playing. So you get a lot of that, you know, feature games like that. Don't fade them, man. Go for for the game that nobody cares about. Sacramento's playing Memphis and the, you know, pace is great. And no one's paying attention to that game. That can be, uh, you know, mega hit for you. So another small tidbit. Yeah. And I mean, you know, talking about guys that you know you want to you want to watch play, coach. I think that's the perfect segue right there. I think you just nailed it. Who 
I, I mean, who's the number one team that you're looking to, you know, that you have your eye on now that you're looking to take advantage? And, you know, we spoke about bankroll before, and I, you'll hear me say manage your bankroll. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you an easy way to do it is, is never play more than, you know, 10, 15, 20% of your bankroll in a night and, you know, have that number in mind, keep that number in mind, don't defer from that number. But uh, on opening night, I got to be honest with you, Coach, I, I kind of forget about that number. I like to uh, yeah. play it. I mean, and it's for good reason. It's it's a time to take advantage. And, you know, who's the number one team you're looking to take advantage on going into the season? Well, I'll, well let's – let's. Uh, I would say for me, the Phoenix Suns. I, and and uh, I have a couple of reasons for that. Um, let's first of all start out uh, by giving you a little clip of uh, Monty Williams talking about uh, – coming to Phoenix and his excitement about uh, being able to coach Devin Booker. The guys are talented on this team. And when I watch film, I see in Devin, I see a guy who could be a household name here soon. Um, he's, he reminds me so much of a, a Brandon Roy, who I coached in Portland. And uh, at the time, Brandon, Dwayne Wade, and Kobe Bryant, when we were in Portland, they were running the league. And I feel like Devin has a chance to uh, be like that or eclipse that. I feel like he has the game that can uh, not only put up points in the regular season, but he has a game that's fit for the playoffs. And anytime you can give the ball to a player and get a bucket, that, that's a luxury. And I feel like Devin has that ability. There you go. And you got to love Monty Williams, man. That a class act and a guy I am so excited that is getting this opportunity in Phoenix. And, you know, that that's why that is one of my target teams is, uh, you know, Monty Williams, uh, even though he did assistant coach with the Spurs and, you know, defense is important. He's still at his heart is a speed guy. He also worked with some coaches, Alvin Gentry and different ones that, that speed up the ball. But he's talked about in the preseason of, you know, giving the reins to Ricky Rubio, pushing it. Uh, Devin Booker, I think, is going to just break out, you know, and, and you can just hear uh, the excitement in that interview with Monty and, and other interviews. He's, you know, the superstar that's, I think, going to be the next uh, – household name as as coach Williams said and so I think you know I don't believe they're going to be overpriced initially because Phoenix won 19 games last year and so obviously there's not a lot uh you know there, there's not a lot of respect across the industry but you know Rubio with the way he's played he's actually uh, arguably been the best player in the FIBA world championship and I haven't mentioned team USA I'm saving that to the end so don't make any smart remarks. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know those are coming. I know you. I know your uh, your Twitter's I, probably been getting I'm blown del- up. <laughs> I'm delaying that till the end. But uh, back to the sun. So with you know with with uh, Rubio pushing the pace and you know knowing how Mont- uh, Monty wants to play and having Booker knocking down threes. They added Dario Saric, I think. On given nights, you know, is a double-double machine. Uh, Kelly Oubre is coming into his own, and Mikel Bridges. Those are all guys that I, you know, and you know, not to say DeAndre Ayton isn't uh, a good factor early on as well. Um, you know, catching some of those lobs from Rubio. So, 
the Suns are definitely a team I have circled. Now, you know, when I when we're talking about these teams to target early and fade early, again, we're talking to them in a general, giving you a little feel for, you know, something to keep an eye on. But, again, it'll be that matchup that night against that team, against, you know, if, if Booker's going against – the best defensive uh, shooting guard in the in the league. I'm going to change my you know opinion on that. But overall, keep an eye on the Suns early. They're young. They're hungry. I think Rubio's going to come in just buzzing with confidence. They're going to get a medal in the in the FIBA games, and and I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. Who's your first squad? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm on a very similar note to you, but I'm going to take it at a little bit of a different angle. And I just to piggyback off your son's thing, and you're going to kind of see where I'm going with this. And, you know, why I like to you know, target teams, it's not just necessarily the players that are on that team, but it's the players that are facing that team. And, you know, for instance, the Suns last year, I loved picking centers against them all last season because they, they ranked dead last in team rebounding per game at 40.4 rebounds. And they allowed the fourth most in the NBA. So... Uh, I don't think that's going to change too much with you know Dario Sarge being added. Yes, he's a, he's a better rebounder than what they had there last year, but uh, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily an elite power forward. Uh, they're going to play at a fast pace, so I, I'm you know I'm going to be looking. I like to target centers on that, but that's that's kind of the point I wanted to take. And I picked the Hawks right now, and it's because the oh. Hawks they they played in an you know an insane pace. Uh, they Thank averaged you. you know 113 points per game, which is only 12th in the NBA, but. Um, their defensive rating. I like to target teams against them because they had a 113.9 uh, defensive rating last season, yeah. and it was fourth worst in the NBA. And a lot of that has to do with uh, Mr. Trey Young over there at point guard. Um, Trey Young actually finished dead last out of 514 NBA players in defensive yep. plus minus. He had a four point negative. I'm sorry, negative. If you didn't hear that, 4.78 uh, real plus minus in defensive rating. So. Um, Ouch. Yeah, it's it's not very good. And we kind of saw this with Isaiah Thomas over there in Boston. Yes, he can score the rock. Yes, he's a very valuable player, uh, but he's a defensive liability. And you know, factoring and and honing in and honing in on those kinds of things uh, allows you to take advantage of them. I mean, they allowed 119.4 points per game to opposing teams. You know, they're playing at a fast pace. You know, there's a mm-hmm. position of uh, of emphasis to attack, and all these factors lead into you know just why I like to target teams against the Hawks and. Um, you know, they allowed a, 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 a 580, a point 582 true shooting percentage against opposing teams. That's second highest in the league. Uh, they're easy yeah. to score against. They're going to play at a fast pace. You know what positions to attack. All those factors are absolutely key. And for me, that's that's the number one reason why I'm going to probably look to hone in on the Hawks on opening night. I, I don't blame you one bit. And I'll tell you, I... There's no question. I cannot tell you how many times I started whoever the point guard was that was playing against the Hawks just for the reasons that you said. I mean, it's, you know, they're not only are they not were number one in the uh, pace last year, they were last in defense and, and, and everything else that you stated. So I think that's that's a great one to circle. No doubt about it. All right. For the second team that we're both uh, looking to target, if you will, early. Uh, we both came up with the same team. We, we chatted briefly before we came on the air, and uh, it's uh, the Sacramento Kings. I think we're that might be sort of the chalk pick of what everybody's talking about right now. But uh, listen in briefly to uh, De'Aaron Fox and what he has to say about the, the hiring of Coach Luke Walton. Uh, he's been great. Um, he communicates extremely well. That's one thing that he definitely does. Now, I don't know – 
you know, just yet if he's a, I don't think he's a, he's not going to yell at people or anything like that. But so I've worked out with him about four or five times uh, since the summer started before I left Sacramento. Worked out, he was working out all Yeah, he, no, 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 he was working, he was working me out basically. Okay, so, okay. I mean, he's just been, he's been great. He, he's already let me know what he wants me to do in the offense. Um, just kind of where my shots are going to come from and just kind of already getting me ahead of the curve of what to expect next year. And the thing about, you know, everybody asked me about, you know, being drafted by the Lakers and all that, you know, my first year, we were the, we were, we were last in pace. Slow, slow, slow. So yeah. I already know the way that he wants to play. So I feel like if I was able to play in that type of, you know, environment or that in, in that type of pace offense my first year, I think it definitely would have been a, a lot different. There you go. And, and De'Aaron Fox certainly made a, a name for himself uh, last season. Definitely one of the most improved players in, in the NBA. And then, you know, in the Team USA camp, uh, you know, got moved up to the top team was a lot of people thought he was the best point guard in the whole uh, camp. So, you know, I know he's excited about what, what Walton's told him as far as uh, the pace of play. Uh, you know, if you, if you listen to that whole interview, uh, Fox talks about, you know, his rookie year at Sacramento, they were dead last in pace. And now he gets to, you know, a couple of years in now, get with a, a guy in Luke Walton that wants to push push the ball, run with these young guys. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I mean, I'll let you uh, talk a little bit more about Sacramento. But the thing that makes me most excited is I just see breakout seasons coming for not just Fox, the guys like Buddy Hill, who I think is one of the best shooters in the league. Uh, and I, you know, I thought he would just be a volume shooter, but man, as he honed in and his percentages have been solid, he very rarely has uh, bad games and just a good, solid DFS consistent player. Uh, you know, Bagley, I've always loved uh, Bagley. I thought he should have started right off the bat ahead of uh, Willie Cauley Stein, but now that he's gone, I think that, you know, he and Giles, who's another guy that's always a value on the board that you can get in there, uh, you know, very cheaply. Uh, and Trevor Ariza, he's still around. He's going to be a main player and get minutes on that team. And he's another guy that, man, there's nights that he just lights it up. I've ha I had him, you know, on a night where he was probably 2% owned, and he I think he hit 10 threes, and he gets on a streak. So, I love the, the Sacramento uh, feeling there. You know, when I saw the NBA Summer League, I took some pictures of uh, – I was down close with their group. They happened to be the one team. They had team photos in a mandatory meeting. So they were the only team at the NBA Summer League that had all of their players there. So I got to see them all interact and, and just – they looked to have a lot of camaraderie, a lot of joking around. They look pretty tight. I think they're an up-and-coming team, and I think that uh, again, a, a team coming off a bad record, you know, may be some good value early on. Absolutely. I mean, they last season they played at the fifth highest pace, uh, the fourth ranked team when it came to three-point shooting percentage with a uh, you know thirty-seven point eight percent. You know, they. It, I mean, the, the team the team plays the team plays at an extremely fast pace, uh, Coach. We, we've talked about it. We touched on their youth. Uh, it's a big factor, and it's part of the reasons why I like the Hawks so much, and I like to target you know teams going against them. 
you know, mistakes happen with youth. Youth plays quick. They like to play just off of straight rhythm. They like to play off talent. Um, and this team has a lot of it. I mean, we, we touched on De'Aaron Fox, how quick, you know, you know, rim to rim, basket to basket. He is the fastest player uh, in the NBA. I mean, the only one that we can argue against maybe being a little bit faster would be Mr. Ish Smith. Uh, but, you know, the team averages 93.1 field goal attempts per game, or field goals attempts per game, yes, so the second in the NBA. They were eighth in points made per game, 114.2. So this team is going to play fast. And, my, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite things about the Kings is that we kind of know which t- players we're targeting, especially for me. Uh, right. You know, bringing back the, the GPP aspect of it is I look uh-huh. for a lot of ceiling games. So, uh, you know, you touched on Trevor Ariza a little bit before, and it's no secret Trevor Ariza is one of, if not the best, corner specialist from with a three-point ball in the NBA and has been yeah. for the last several years. So, you know, when he gets hot from the corner, when he's getting those shot attempts, he can knock down six or seven of them in a game. We've seen it happen yeah. before, and that just leaves a massive ceiling. Uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox, he's a guy that can get his own. He can create at the rim. Not the best shooter just yet, but that's why he's got Buddy Heel next to him. And, you know, you mentioned it. This guy just lit it up. You know, we, we expected this to kind of happen his, his rookie year coming out of Oklahoma. But, it, 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 you know, it takes these guys an extra year. It takes a couple, two years, three years for them to really hit that stride. And looking at right. this team, there's a lot of guys who are in their second, third, fourth season and it's just screaming breakout. Uh, I'm all over. I mean, the team was 11th in true shooting percentage. I expect that to go up a little bit. Uh, they added a few pieces, like you said. You know, Dwayne Dedman's over there now. He's going to be playing center. And Dwayne Dedman's one of the best point-per-minute producers in the NBA. I mean, he's, a, he's a, one of the few players last season that averaged a block, a steal, and a three a game. And he only did it in limited minutes. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this team, Coach. And, I, I mean... Just, I'm excited. I think Luke Walton's going to ha- have a great influence on them. I really do. And we talked about it before. He's only coached teams that played at very high paces. Uh, yep. You know, being a member of Golden State over there, you know, taking the reins over in LA for a little while. So he played at a high pace, and that's kind of what he's used to. And when you have a point guard like Darren Fox who True. can just outrun everybody on the court with the ball, it, it's hard not to take advantage of it. It's almost foolish. It's something that we've seen. You know, Russell Westbrook do in the past. We see Giannis yeah. do it now. John Wall. John Wall, John. a great yeah. I, We almost forget about the guy uh, yeah. you know, with these injuries. And I think a lot of it happened to be because, you know, we saw that kind of take a notch down because fat John Wall came in uh, this year. He looked a little overweight when he first came in. But it's something that I, I fully anticipate taking advantage of going into the DFS season. And I expect the Kings to take advantage of is that speed that they could play with. Um, a few players I probably would shy away from, you know, Harrison Barnes. I just don't ever see those upside games in him. He's, he's usually he's, overpriced, too. He, That's the only thing, you know. I feel like he's been overpriced since he was an All-American in high school. This guy was supposed to be yeah. the next Kobe Bryant, they said. Uh, yeah, and, North Carolina. <laughs> yep, and we just haven't seen it just yet. He signed that math, massive deal with the Mavs after he left Golden State. It was, you know, highway robbery. Uh, just basically drove a Brinks truck away from Dallas Full of money. Um, and well, he just signed a new one with the Kings for $90 million. I don't know. I, I don't know where he's getting the money. Like, where are the teams? I, where are the I do not know. I mean, I like the guy. It's just I don't see him as a key component. I mean, he was like the sixth guy we mentioned on the team. So what does that tell you? <laughs> he's literally – there's there's no team that he can go to and be the best player on the team right now in the NBA. There's not one team. So for him to get that kind of contract – 
it, it to me it just speaks more of an, an actual basketball perspective. He's a great he's a great basketball player. I mean, he, he's not a terrible defender. He's not an all class defender. Uh, he's not a terrible shooter. He's not the best shooter. You know, he's just a middle of the road kind of guy. But there, it's a very valuable thing to have on an NBA team. It's just these small market teams have to overpay for guys like that. And unfortunately, nowadays in the NBA, if you you know these guys are going where the money's going and a team like Sacramento is going to have to pay for him. Whereas if he were to go to like, you know, LA, Golden State, uh, you know, Boston, New York, these well, guys. Don't get me started on Vlade because Vlade, I love him, but he makes some odd moves. That's all I can say. And, uh, but whatever, man, we're, we're talking about his team. So something's got to be going right. Exactly. He's doing something over there. And I, maybe it's a couple other puppets pulling the string behind the scenes that are kind of giving him a little bit of, uh, you know, do this, do that. I'm sure he's got a couple of advisors over there that are helping him out a little bit. But, uh, I mean, they brought in a lot of veteran talent this year. Um, I'm expecting those veterans to kind of rub off, rub off on these rookies. Uh, I'm expecting guys like Dwayne Dedman, who's never really playing on a good team other than the Spurs. He's got that pop culture in him. But after, you know, going from pop to the Hawks, uh, you got a thirst to win. You have to. You went from yeah. being on one of the best winning percentage teams in the past, you know, 20 years to possibly the, one of the worst teams that we've ever seen. So... I, I anticipate those veterans to really rub off on these younger guys like De'Aaron Fox, like Buddy Heald, um, and I'm expecting you know Bagley as well. And I'm expecting some big things to happen for the Kings this year. And anybody that knows us over here at Hoopball, um, we have we have a lot of uh, a lot of strings in on the Kings. We're big we Kings. Do. We got we're, we're a Kings homer for sure, no doubt about it. So we're we're sticking on brand right now, and I think that's yeah, very very, uh, very on point to the Hoopball, but. You know, for all these teams that we love, Coach, I, I think we have a few teams that we're probably avoiding as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and that's let's we both we have I think two different teams here, and we'll give let's go into those. My my first fade, and it's sort of going to be a surprise to everybody, but it's the Utah Jazz, and I'll, I'll explain why. Yes, I think they're going to be a terrific team this year. I think they're going to be, you know, big contender in the West to make a lot of noise. But the reason I'm saying to fade them early is, you know, pace of play is always in question there. Uh, you know, Mike Conley is coming from Memphis to Utah, similar, you know, slower pace of play. So that's, you know, what he's used to as well. Bogdanovich is a spot-up shooter. I just see two things. One You've got uh, a little time that it's going to take, I think, for this new unit to gel together with the two major new pieces that they added. And they also added Ed Davis and some other guys. So there's a lot of things that they have to get used to there. So I think they'll be a little slower out of the gate. They also have Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles coming off being big stars in this big FIBA run uh, that they're both on. Um, so... I just I see them initially. I mean, they they were ranked 14th in pace last year, which is better than most people would have guessed, because uh, everybody always thinks they're at the very bottom. So they were in the middle middle of the road, but I just don't think that's going to increase. Quinn Snyder's coaching style is more of a Memphis grindhouse kind of style, where you know he's going to beat you on his floor and make every bucket uh, tough. So I think their prices will be inflated a little bit early because everybody's, you know, talking about Utah being a, a major contender in the West. So that's that's just a slight fade I have early on. 
And, I'm, you know, I'm glad you brought up Ed Davis because, uh, you know, there's a reason why they brought him in. And it's because, you know who – Coach, I'm going to ask you. You know who uh, the first player was in the NBA for defensive real plus minus last season? It's, it's probably an easy answer. It's, it's a segue to what I'm trying to say. Um, we'll just get to it. It was Rudy Gobert. Let's be real. The guy's – Rudy the, Gobert, The, the yeah. stifle tower. You know who number two was, though? You're just trying to – you're just trying to still slide that Team USA stuff in there just to <laughs> – just to make me sick, one last art. Listen, I got to keep hearing about how I, you know, faded JaVale McGee last year when he dropped eighty something points or whatever it was. And you're going to hear about this Team USA for a well, long time. Uh, I, I'll have my editorial <laughs> clip at the end of the show. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and uh, you know the, what I was what I was getting at is the number two player in the NBA. You know, we talked about Trey Young being ranked 514th among all active players, dead last. Number two is Ed Davis. Um, he was right behind Rudy Gobert in real plus minus. Yes, he played a lot less minutes, but when the guy's on the yeah. court, he's a force to be reckoned with on the defensive end. Uh, yeah, four point one three defensive real plus minus, right behind Rudy, Rudy Gobert, two spots ahead of Draymond Green. Uh, Joel Embiid ranked fifth. It just goes to say that any center that's going against this team is going to struggle. They're going to have to face Gobert for thirty plus minutes, and when he's off the court for seventeen or eighteen minutes, they're going to see Ed Davis in there. So. Ooh. Uh, they're going to get. They're going to get every rebound, man. They're going to be t- tough. They're they're going to absolutely be a tough team to face. And just looking at the minutes per game last season, Rudy Gobert averaged thirty eight, thirty one point eight. Uh, Ed Davis averaged seventeen point nine. You add those two together, we're looking at a little bit over forty eight. But that's pretty much what you can expect from that team. They're going to run these both. One of these guys going to be on the court of all time. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I touched on that a little bit with the Hawks. And while while we're you know while you say you're fading uh, the Jazz. You know, the way I look at this is when you talk about pace of play, yes, they play at one of the slower paces in the NBA, and they're a very, very good defensive team. But you could pretty much just count them in. But any team that they're facing um, is going to have a higher pace of play, and you almost have to average those two together and get a neutral pace of play between both teams. So they're going to be playing at an above-average pace of play just about any team that they're facing if they're going to be playing slow. So I don't necessarily know if I'm going to be fading them as much as you. Um, and it's not a knock on you, it's Coach, obviously. On the, yeah, it's going to be on the matchup, and and that's going to be the key factor. I think yeah, it's, exactly. it's the matchup. But, you know, again, for for the external reasons, and, <laughs> and we're generalizing to sort of make our points on, on what, what we're looking for, but not – we we can disagree a little bit on this one, but I, I know, might take we'll a wait see. and see with them. That's I think that's the route I'm going to take. I kind of want to see how this usage is going to be distributed uh, between them. You know, seeing how Conley and Mitchell kind of gel together, seeing how they use Ingles off the bench is going to be a big factor for me, uh, and just kind of seeing how Bogdanovich is going to insert himself into this offense. You know, he might be a little bit more passive coming over from the Pacers. Uh, like we, we, we talked about yeah. the last show a little bit. They needed him to score there. They don't really need him to score as much here. You know, they'll be happy if they can get 13 to 12 points a game out of him, and I think they'd run with that if he's just knocking down a couple threes during that. I don't want any late texts swearing about your Utah Jazz guys on your DFS team. <laughs> yeah, you know you're going to hear about it either way, Coach. You're going to hear my frustrations either way. That um, damn very, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> oh, Donovan Mitchell's one of the guys. I'll tell you right now, he's tough to get right. Uh, he's very oh, high he, priced. I'll tell you what, man. You, he is one of those guys, and there's a group of them in the league, that just drive you to drink because you play them and they lay an egg. You sit them and they score 40. He's one of those guys 
that just falls in that you know category. It's bizarre, but uh, you know I'm with you on that. And my personal, you know, one of my personal attacks I try to do when I'm building and constructing my lineups is, you know, the shooting guard and small forward position are, I would say, lackluster generally. You know, you, you it's very top heavy. You have a mm-hmm. few guys that are way at the top. You have a few guys that are down to low. So personally, I would rather just go to spend down option at those two positions when I'm building my lineups. You know, yes, yeah. LeBron James, you know, you know, you're looking at you know, Kevin Durant when he's healthy, Yana, all these other guys that are very good, but... Um, I want to attack the positions where and spend up on those positions where I know these guys could break a slate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, small forward, shooting guard, unless it's you know one of those top tier guys, it's it's kind of hard to do that. It is. I, I'll tell you, that's another advantageous piece for fantasy draft because it's just front court and back court. You don't have to specify and play those weaker positions. You can play three centers or whatever you want to do. Uh, if you can build around your lineup oh, there. You, so just, you just whispered in my ear, Coach, three centers. Isn't uh, that awesome? Anybody yeah. that knows me knows I love to play centers. It's just double. get those double-double machines. Get the guys that you know are grabbing those boards. Going to get some blocks. Even if they get 10 to 15 points, you can't make up for those blocks and rebounds. And, again, yeah. know your site because, you know, sites like DraftKings offer, uh, you know, double-double bonuses, triple-double bonuses, uh, yeah. things, you know, FanDuel uh, gives you extra points for blocks and steals compared to some of the other sites. So right. it's, it's a big factor, like you said earlier in the show, is knowing what platform you're playing on and how their scoring works. And that's going to completely – listen – if it doesn't affect the way you're building your lineups, make it affect the way you're building your lineups. That's why we're here. That's why I'm trying to tell you guys this. It's a huge factor. It makes the biggest well, difference because I can tell you right now, there's been nights where I was 0.75 points away from winning thousands of dollars and I ended up winning 80 bucks or 60 bucks or whatever it may be. So every point matters and you need to, you need to really count those in there, even if it seems something minuscule. Well, uh, it allows me to get my quote in there because that's going to be num- the number two uh, X on the on the bingo card is success occurs when opportunity meets preparation. So exactly what you're saying. Know your site, know your players, know your scoring, and how that fits into the whole program because that's a big part of it. Man. I mean, it's like even in a season-long league, it's, it's obvious in this. You're not going to go into a season-long draft not knowing what kind of draft it is, uh, you know, not knowing if right. it's an eight-cat league or a nine-cat league or whether it's a two-center league, which, you know, don't do those. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't recommend them, but you know, knowing, knowing what your format is, is a key factor into how you're going to draft going into there. So I expect the same to be taken in DFS, take the same approach, um, and use it. So no uh, doubt. Well, who's your first fade big fella? Ooh, first fade. So I'm going to have to go with a surprising team and maybe it's not going to be surprising if anyone's a nerd like me and has been keeping an eye on stuff like this, but I'm going to be kind of fading the thunder. Uh, you know, they're a team that we talked about, you know, last show led the mm-hmm. led the league in, you know, points or shot attempts per game. Uh, they were, I believe, uh, sixth in pace. So they're up there in pace as well. So a lot of people were used to going to that well. So that's a well I'm going to avoid because we're, we're talking about a completely different team. Paul George is gone. Russell Westbrook is gone. These are two players that allowed them to kind of push those pace that would absorb a lot of those shot attempts. Uh, and, you know, with Chris Paul playing point guard, we'd have to imagine that they're going to slow the pace down a little bit, that they're going to set up plays a little bit differently. I mean, Chris Paul is a guy who likes to dribble the ball up and take about six to eight seconds off a shot clock where Russell Westbrook would go zero to 100 from rim to rim, coast to coast. Uh, yeah. That alone is probably going to lower their pace by at least, 
uh, six to you know four to six shot attempts per game, and that's what I'm expecting. So I'm not too keen on them. I mean, you might have heard me say there's a player or two on them that I absolutely love. Cough, cough, Steven Adams. Uh, I'm absolutely going to be all over this year. I'm expecting a large volume Aquaman. of rebounds for him. Yeah, he does look like Aquaman. Uh, <laughs> you know, even when he runs, he kind of looks like he's swimming a little bit. But, yeah, uh, you really? know, I, there's, there, of course, and we, we touched on this earlier, there's going to be guys that we still like on these teams. There's going to be times where we are targeting these guys. But this is overall knowledge. Um, yes, I do like Steven Adams. Doesn't mean I'm going to go roll him out there every night. You know, price is going to impact that, and their matchup is going to impact that. But he's one of the players on that team that I am going to be a little bit more generous with my allowance. You know, I I I'm, I don't want to really touch the Thunder otherwise, uh, at least for the time being, until I see I could take advantage of a certain spot. But Steven Adams is the one guy I think that we could take advantage of. I don't expect him to be high priced. There's no reason for him to be. He's never lit the world on fire. Uh, but, you know, we talked about those defensive rebounds last show, and I expect plenty of them to be available uh, for him come this year with Russell Westbrook gone. But other than that, you know, I'll let everybody else have at it. Go, you know, go take the Thunder. Go think Chris Paul is going to drop 40 points for the Thunder. If you think yeah, that's going to happen, go take You know, I, I don't know if you saw the story that just broke a couple days ago, but they're already talking about moving Gallinari before the season even starts. So, I, they are so hell-bent on moving salary and loading picks. They already have 10 picks in the next couple of years. I, I don't know. I just don't trust anything they're doing, and I think you know, it's a big risk, really. And, and also, to, you know, I'm, I believe Billy Donovan's somewhat of an overrated coach. I, he never really produced when he had some of those uh, you know, stars there to the point where they got, you know, won anything. So uh, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm fade central on them until we figure out what's going on. I always say, I think, uh, I think he's the reason why you see college coaches like Krzyzewski, uh you know, stay in college. I mean, <laughs> be successful w- with your good at. I mean, he came to the NBA and had an all-star team lined up for him. Yeah. And hasn't done anything. I mean, in Florida, it was a different story. You know, it's a totally different element. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. Um, I mean, I could. Average. Yeah. Well, well, even that might be a little bit generous. He's an average coach. Uh, But, you know, it's not the same game. It's not the same mindset. You're not playing with kids anymore. You're playing with grown adults who have egos. You're playing with, you know, guys who – there's not a bad player on the court in the NBA. I could say everything I want about Trey Young and how bad he is defensively, but this is the highest level of the game. These guys are smart. Coaches are smart. He he walked into you know an element that he was not used to. Um, he's going to be on the hot. It's it's going to be, a, a, in lack of a better words, it's going to be a dumpster fire over there in OKC. And I would be extremely surprised if Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari are on that team uh, by you know the trade deadline and even Steven Adams, I, I don't want to say it, but if you can, if they can get something for a guy, they're going to do it. They're, they're basically the, the Philadelphia thunder at this point, you know, four years ago. So they're yeah. just stockpiling these picks. They're going to use these picks. They're going to try to rebuild. They're going to try to get their next Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant and James Harden, just like they did a few years ago. And you know, it being a, that ain't going to happen. You're never going to assemble stars like that again. Uh, that was unheard of. When you could just think about that back then, Coach, those three guys playing on the same team at one time, if you were to say Crazy. that now, um, that's absurd. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe. You know, it, it's I saw a stat of, about how many MVPs 
now the Thunder have traded away like six of the last nine MVPs or some crazy stat uh, like that. But, uh, yeah, they're in rebuild mode, and, and I think their fans know it. I think they'll build around Shea and some of the younger guys and then just all these draft picks. But, you know, it, it, I guess you can't really complain if you're Thunder fans. They've, get, they've had a hell of a run, and sometimes in the small markets, you just got to face the facts that it – you got to reset and retool and, and then, you know, hope to come out with some of that strong talent again, just the way it works. Absolutely. And for you best ball guys out there, I know this is a little off topic, but uh, Shy Gilders Alexander is a great best ball draft right now. I mean, if, if, if everything goes to fruition like I expect and Chris Paul does get traded, you're talking about a guy that's going to be taking late. A, he's going to have uh, a good usage. He's going to get minutes. He's going to play regardless when Chris Paul is there. But once Chris Paul's gone, it is his team. So uh, he's a he's a one guy I like to target. You know, the middle to late rounds of best ball. So I just thought I'd throw that in there for those guys who, like I said, we I'm I'm assuming maybe I'm wrong here, Coach. But anybody that's listening to us at this point of the year, uh, you know, a month and a half out from the actual NBA season, it's probably a degenerate like us. That no, they just want to prepare and win money and be and take basketball by storm, man. That's it. I just I believe they're putting in the time, like you put the time in the gym to you know get your game better. You put your time in getting prepared. All right, let's get on to my second fade because I want to go through this one fast because it it pains me brutally to say who my second fade I'm, team I'm is. I'm dying. So coach didn't even tell me this, guys. I'm excited uh, to hear who it is because well, he's, he's I'm been building an M, it. I'm an MFFL Mavs fan for life. And I love the Mavs, but believe it or not, they're my early fade. And let me explain why. Um, you know, I again, you know, being a, a Dallas guy and following the team pretty closely, I, I'm excited for the future with KP and everything that's going on. Here's my point. They, Carlisle is a very uh, controlled pace guy. Dallas was 19th, and that's the highest pace they've been in the last couple of years. So the pace isn't going to be there. There is going to take an adjustment time for how they're going to play, whether they're playing KP at the five or the four and how Powell's going to fit into that. They still haven't decided on if Justin Jackson, Tim Hardaway are starting. There's a lot of questions uh, and mix of things that have to go on. You know, it looks like from, from all reports, that DeLon Wright's going to start at point, but, you know, the, he yes. loved Jalen Brunson. So, in other words, I'm mentioning all these guys. J.J. Beret is back. They signed Seth Curry for a bunch of money. I mean, you know, how many guys is that already? Ten? And I didn't say Maxie Cleaver or Boban. So, my, my thing is, it's just right now, and I believe until Carlisle gets all of this working, I think they can be – a competitive team in the West, but I just, Luke is going to be ridiculously priced. He'll be one of the most expensive guys on the board. You know, KP will probably be overpriced initially because, you know, I knowing Carlisle, he's not going to roll him out there for 35 minutes a game right off the bat after not playing for almost two years. So, you know, even though I'm, I'm excited that the Mavs are retooling, I don't, I can't say, you know, Again, being a cash play single lineup guy, that I feel real comfortable 
and uh, you know investing in any of these Mavs early on in the year until hopefully they get some type of rotation set, which might not happen. They may play ten deep all year, and uh, you know they may be a, a, a consistent fade team. But so that's it. I'm I'm embarrassed to say it, but there it is. All right, and now everybody knows that we're both kind of homers for the Mavs. I I, I also um, you know. You actually live in Texas, so maybe you have a better reason than me. I live over here in Connecticut, but I've been a diehard Mavs fan since I was about, you know, a, a child. And, well, dude, uh, let me tell you this. I went to the very first ever Dallas Mavericks game at Reunion Arena with my dad when I was in seventh grade, eighth grade. So there you go. All right, so you, you got me beat a little bit. I, guess. <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess I'll give you that one, but... uh. You know, Dirk, watching Dirk. When I, and maybe I could play a little devil's advocate. I mean, you know, talk about the pace of play earlier being 19th last season and that being one of their, you know, I guess you could say better better pace of plays in the past few years as far as DFS. You know, could we argue that maybe, you know, having an old man Dirk on the team had something to do with it? Uh, the fact that they were a poor team, they weren't really trying to necessarily win could have something to do with it. But I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to, you know, whether it's fading them in – certain contests because oh, hold on one second i have to wipe a few tears just hearing dirk's name uh, uh, uh okay I'll, i compose myself yeah, you know moment of silence real fast yes. uh, <laughs> <laughs> no no listen he's living life on twitter right now having fun with fans still yeah what was it a few weeks ago when he uh when he tweeted that you know he he had a warm reception when he got off the plane but it turns out everyone was just there for ezekiel Elliott. He's so, my favorite uh, human being on uh, earth. I love That's him. All I'm he's, he's, and I'll tell you what, he's the reason I started loving ball. Uh, oh. It's that just watching him, uh, that stroke, the, you know. It's the it, crazy um, balance, you know, off balance, one leg, just nuts. Best foreign I, player of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think well, it's hard no to, you can't even argue that. And not even close. Yeah. I don't, yeah. you know, you can, there's not, I don't think there's anybody that we can put in the same sphere as no. him. Remember when they tried to say Andre Bargnani was going to be the next version of him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, good times, uh, good times. Uh, no, but I'm with you on a lot of the math stuff. I mean, I play a little bit more of the GPP angle. So, you know, we touched on that a little bit earlier. And, you know, guys like Chris Stops and Luca are definitely GPP viable. But, uh, you know, even DeLon Wright, he's another guy. But we needed, again, another team, maybe you know, fade for the first few nights, take the wait-and-see approach. Let's see how these minutes are going to get distributed, especially amongst the guards. Like you said, you mentioned a lot of guards over there. You know, DeLon Wright, Luka, uh, Brunson, Hardaway, Curry. I want to see how those minutes are going to get distributed amongst the guards. I feel a little bit safer with the front court. I think Powell, uh, after they signed him to an extension, that he's pretty much secure for, you know, 26, 25 minutes. Uh, Chris Stops, yeah. we want to see. We want to see how he's going to, you know, recover from that injury. How many minutes are they going to play him right off the rip? Is he, are they going to ease him back in? Um, those right. are things that we don't know, and those are the reasons why we should fade him, uh, at least there for the time go. being. So I'm with you, bro. All right. So who's your second this, second pick? So I, you know, I'm going to take another little surprising angle, and I'm going to go with the Pelicans because if wow. we, if we look at last year, they played at one of the fastest paces. They had one of the worst yeah. defenses. You know, they would score a lot. So these are all reasons why we love guys on that team for DFS, but yeah. You know, is are we are we talking about the same team that they played with last year, coach? Are we talking about, you know, four new guys in the starting lineup? I, I have never seen Alvin Gentry play slow though. That's the only thing I would counterpoint you on with that is 
every time I'm, I'm putting my team together, I always have that thing in the back of my mind where he can roll guys out there and they're going to just run and gun. But I, I get it. They, they have so many players. They got so much to figure out. It makes sense. That yeah. it's going to take some time. And that's it. And I don't know where this usage is going to go. I mean, last season, yeah. we, we kind of have an idea with who's going to – I mean, we saw Kenrich Williams getting tons of usage over there at some point yeah. this season. We saw Christian Wood just pop in here and there and drop a quick 40-burger in DFS out of nowhere. So, Great. We, we, My win of the year. <laughs> oh, believe me. I, I, I'm, I was always on Christian Wood. He's a guy that's a great point-per-minute producer. But, you know, now they, they got all these guys over from the Lakers. They drafted Zion. They go out and they signed Derek Favors. Uh, they kept Jalil Okafor. There's a lot of there's a lot of mouths to feed, and I just don't know how this is going to exactly play out just yet. Yeah. And you know, speaking on Zion, he's the guy I'm probably going to fade right off the rip. I mean, well, he's going to he, Zion and Drew Holiday are going to be way overpriced. I, I just can see it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's not even necessarily about their price because I'll pay a premium price tag for a guy if, if I'm confident he's going to go out there at a decent to low ownership and put up buckets, but. Come on, it's Zion Williamson. He's the most hyped rookie since LeBron James. You don't tell you're, you're going to tell me that you don't expect to be like thirty percent owned in GPPs on opening night or something like that. Everyone's going to want to play this guy. TNT opening game, yeah, fade city for me. Oh, I'm dodging him. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it's gonna it's gonna be like a you know a telemarketer calling me during dinner time. I'm gonna do fade it. I'm gonna hang up. I'm gonna cuss him out. Whatever it may be, uh, I'm not touching him. Uh, not until I see that price tag come down or, you know, when I could take advantage of them in an advantageous spot, like maybe against like a team like the Suns, who we just talked about was a poor rebounding team. But how many, how many, you know, minutes is he going to get at power forward? I mean, Derek, are they going to play, you know, Derek Favors and Jalil Okafor next to each other here and there? Are they going to play, you know, Favors at the five with him? It, it, he's going to be fighting for rebounds. He's going to be fighting for usage. He's got other guys there that could score the ball, Ingram. Uh, you know, is is a guy that I was never really too too high on, but I'm not going to say he's a bad player. I actually put him, I lump him in a little bit with that Harrison Barnes kind of category. We're going to have Lonzo Ball hanging onto the ball a lot. He needs the ball in his hands to be effective. Um, and then Drew Holiday, again, unbelievable season last year, but he did it with nobody else there. So there's there's going to be a few reasons why I don't like to play this team. And again, doesn't mean I'm fading the team that's going to be playing them. Uh, maybe the shooting guard because Drew Holiday is one of the best defensive shooting guards in the league. So, you know, maybe that's a position of emphasis I want to avoid. But as, them as a whole, players on that team, I'm going to take a wait and see approach. If there is one player that I would target, maybe on opening night, let's just say, uh, it might be Lonzo just because he doesn't need to score the rock to be effective. Uh, we know he's going to be playing a ton of minutes. He's going to be pushing the pace. He's going to be getting steals. He's going to be getting little blocks at guard, plenty of assists. All the little counting stats that can get us there where he doesn't need to score. But anybody that relies on scoring um, on that team, I'm probably going to avoid. I think it's a, it's a good move, and I, I have to agree with you on that one there, Mr. Michael. Yeah, I mean, uh, they played at well, – I think they had the third pace last season. They played at the third-ranked pace. That, like you said, Alvin Gentry had a lot to do with that. That necessarily wasn't the team. Um, they I were expect that to continue. Second. They were second. second. Okay. They, yeah, so they do get up and down, but – you know, it's uh, like you say, until I, the thing that I always steer from is teams that, that are going to start off with a big, like 10 man, 11 man rotation and haven't really 
determine the real strong usage. I want to I wanna hunker down with my one lineup or two lineups and have guys that I know are going to get those minutes in the clutch. They're going to play. And it just to me, you know, uh, that takes a, a big edge. I mean, just the opportunity is such a key. So, all right. I, also, I want to remind everybody, too, you know, if you enjoyed tonight's show, we hope you you, you did and you'll, you'll join us again. Um, you can uh, listen to Hoop All DFS Today podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, YouTube, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. Please subscribe, rate, review, thumbs up, five stars, give us some good comments. We want to you know, continue to keep our sponsors happy, keep our hoop ball folks happy uh, so that we can continue to bring you this content. You know, these, these grinded out days of before preseason starts when we're getting ready is going to pay off. We know it's going to make you some big bucks and it's going to be worth your time. And then when we start breaking games down uh, is when it's really going to get fun. So looking forward to that aspect of things. You know, and absolutely. And let's just say like, listen, it's free content guys. It's, it's free for a reason. Uh, You know, we're bringing it to you guys because we have these sponsors. So, uh, you know, if you could give us a nice rate and review, we'd appreciate it. And yeah, if you want to give us a little five star and then at the end of it, throw in something that you'd like to see different. We're cool with that. (laughs) We're cool with that. Just give us a nice little five star and then we'll do what, you know, we'll do whatever you want us to do. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, for real, uh, you know, Fantasy Draft's working hard over there on their part. We want to make them proud. We want to make the guys over here hoop all proud. So if you think you can make us a little bit better, let us know what you want to hear. Uh, it's that simple. We're and happy hit, to us, hit us up with questions, too. We're going to start weaving those in. I know we haven't really – I mean, we've, we've used the, the information in these questions to add to the, the content of the show, but we'll start actually going over some of these questions that we get. So – you know, hit me up on Twitter at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I, or at, go ahead. At Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Or you can catch us on the hoop-ball.com forums. Hit us up with a bunch of questions there. Okay, I can't avoid it any longer. The show's about over. I've got to mention... You know, I was up this morning at 5 a.m. excited for Team USA quarterfinals. I was terrified of the game, and my worst nightmare came true. We lost to France, and I just wanted to make a quick commentary because sort of lit up Twitter a little bit today on it. And um, you know, FIBA changed the rules where it's the tournaments now the year before the Olympics. What that's done is it's taken all of our key players out of it because they're not going to play a full season all summer with FIBA full season all summer with the Olympics and then back. It's just not reasonable. So did FIBA do that to maybe, you know, get a, a lesser USA team in there? Maybe possible. Uh, is that an excuse? No, I watched every exhibition game and every game that the USA played in this tournament. And I was very disappointed and I'm just, you know, I'm going to call this out. Like I'll call out, you know, if I have a bad pick or bad night or anything else. But I didn't see a sense of urgency from Team USA. They didn't, you know, you you put the red, white, and blue on, you know, I don't care what format it's in. It's our basketball's our game. And I just did not feel that that Coach Pop coached 
to the level that I thought he would. I thought his small ball uh, strategy was a disaster. It allowed Gobert to drop 21 and 16 with four blocks and dominate the game. Uh, nobody stepped up. Kemba, two for nine, 0 for four from three, bunch of turnovers. It just, it was really disappointing. But here's here's my my commentary on it. I'm not trying to kick a dog when he's down. I'm the biggest Team USA fan that's out there. It's just, it's 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 time that I think that we need to relook at how we're going to do this. I believe next year, the the LeBrons of the world, they'll come out for the Olympics. We'll get in there and kick butt and get you know our gold back. I really believe that. But I think from now on with FIBA, we have to approach this differently because it was just a disaster from the beginning. We had 46 guys or so come into this camp. Nobody knew if they wanted to play or not play. We had non-committals, guys dropping out at the last minute. It was just poorly organized, and there was not commitments ahead of time. They need to just utilize FIBA with the younger group, like that select team that was in there to scrimmage. You know, this would be a good feeder thing for the De'Aaron Foxes and Bagleys and, and uh, you know, uh, Lonzo and those guys, the 23 and unders, let them play FIBA, let them develop, and then let the big boys that have been around a while play the Olympics. So I'm hoping that's the way Team USA goes with this. Really disappointed how we represented in FIBA. Um, The games are still great. I've enjoyed it tremendously. If you are an NBA fan, and we have a lot of listeners across the world, I've had multiple people uh, from Serbia also is just as as disappointed as we are with their upset. But the semifinals are going to be fantastic. They're the day after tomorrow. It's Australia versus Spain, which both teams have been terrific. Australia, we know, beat us in the scrimmage with uh, Delhi and and Patty Mills and uh, Jiggles and all, all that group. Spain with Rubio and some of those talented people that have, have been on that team for quite some time. And then the other quarterfinal is that both upstart uh, up, upset teams, Argentina, who has a real good, fiery, uh, experienced team, and France, obviously, with, uh, with Gobert and, and Fournier and those guys that stepped up and, and beat us. So enjoy the, the semis if you have a chance to see them. Hopefully, Team USA learns something from this and uh, regroups. I know Colangelo, Coach K, Coach Pop, all the main people behind it want to do the right thing. So hopefully, this doesn't happen again. And uh, you know, uh, it's it's a, a punch in the gut, but you, you get back up and you, you you get ready and you take it on the next time. Absolutely, and if you and if you haven't already, um, you know. Go at coach, tweet at him about this, please. Uh, you know. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's getting enough love in his uh, in his mentions about this. You know, uh, you know, personally, uh, I kind of just felt like it was. You know, the other countries are just they're getting good players. You know, we haven't we haven't seen this kind of elite talent on these other teams in the past. I mean, we just talked about it a couple seconds ago, uh, Dirk being the best international player of all time. Uh, you know, now we got guys like you just said, two centers alone, Jokic and uh, you know Gobert, are just insane matchups in the NBA with the best players in the world. Let alone going against you know Miles Turner. I'm not trying to knock here, 
It's a tough matchup for the guy against against guys well, like that. He didn't get in tonight. To, you know, that's the part that was insane today. They that's... played him for like ten minutes, and he was doing a decent job. We went small ball, and I mean, I could go on and on about this, but I mean, there were there were multiple rotations in that second half where you know who was guarding Gobert, Joe Harris, Marcus Smart, Harrison Barnes. I mean, come on, it just didn't make sense. But okay. I'm not going to go there because I know that this was a, a building experience and we're going to learn from it, brother. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, uh, I mean, that's Do a lot. Do you have any got. closing thoughts on good stuff, our good show tonight and getting everybody ready to make a bunch of money? Uh, I mean, I could just say, listen, write down the notes that we're saying now. We're saying it in a, a month, a month and a half in advance. I would tell people, take notes, get a little binder. A uh, little notebook. Write this down. Keep it in your mind. Uh, it's not. It's not something that you need to directly build off of game. You know, day one of the opening season. But these are things that you know, guys like me and coach are taking into account. And you know, we've been playing DFS for a while. Uh, we've both been profitable for a while. So we're just trying to expand that knowledge to you guys. So uh, you know, take what you need from it. You don't need to take all of it. Uh, you know, have your own opinion. Formulate your own opinion. Use your own research. Uh, nothing nothing can supplant doing your own research. Listen, you're never going to waste time doing research. Even if you spend three hours there just looking on basketball reference, looking at stats, NBA.com, whatever it may be, uh, it's only going to help you. you know, formulate your own opinion. It's the biggest thing, I, the biggest advice I can have. That's right. You know, be different. C- create that opportunity for yourself, and we're going to help you along the way, and, and we're hopefully all going to make some good money together. But uh, – but awesome, man. It is time for us to sign off. We'll be on again uh, next Thursday and go into another level uh, deeper and start looking at some uh, positions and, and some other strategies that you can use uh, going forward. But uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in and for Hoopball and Fantasy Draft and uh, for Hoopball DFS Today podcast and my partner, Mike Apatria, this is Joe Sarvati, coach, signing off, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Take care, guys. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.